You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad and earlier in the year we had a chat with Ronan McGreevy because he had published a wonderful book which was a reflection on the commemoration of the Irish and their involvement in World War One and the close connection between the Irish and the Canadians when it came to that. Well Ronan is now the editor of a book called Centenary, uh, Ireland Remembers 1916. Uh, Ronan, welcome back and it's great to be here and have a chat and with you. And it's lovely to speak to you Austin, thank you very much for having me. You've been a busy boy since you and I talked last because when I look at this book of somewhat over nearly close on 400 pages uh, a lot of stuff gone into it and rather than me try to say anything tell me first of all um, it's it's a reflection on the year that has just gone by or the year that is coming to an end. No, it's, it's a reflection on to 2016. Um, uh, it's not a book about 1916. We've had enough of those, I think, at this stage. It's a book about 2016. We had a wonderful year of commemorations at home and abroad to mark the centenary of the Easter writing. Uh, they bought a real feel-good factor back to the country after many years of the recession and, and, and a lot of navel-gazing about our, our place in the world. And they were, the, the commemorations were very successful. There were a lot of people predicted that there would be an air of, of uh, recrimination about it and, uh, and, and, and a lot of, of ugliness around it. But actually, the opposite was the case. I think it was a, as a, as a year when I think people, Irish people, really rediscovered their love for their country and, and for the, the, and, and, and their admiration for the people who were brought about the independent Irish state we have today. Now, Ronan, when I look at the book, it, while it's reflecting on 2016, you start your reflection based in August of 2015, which leads into it. Yes, that's right. So it begins with the uh, centenary uh, of the uh, uh, famous oration on the grave of uh, O'Donovan Ross, and that was in August 1915. And that obviously, uh, that was the time Pierce made against the fools, the fools they've left us our Fenian dead speech. And that was the first state event to mark the centenary of the Easter Rising, and that was a very, very successful event. Uh, thousands of people turned up for that. You had some, one of the uh, one of the uh, many contributors to the book is Rossa uh, Williams Cole, who is uh, Donovan Rossa's um, great grandson and who may, has made a film about his uh, famous great grandfather. Now, when you say one of the contributors, and again, as an editor, your job is to take care of what are a uh, multitude, in this case, of contributors. Um, can you give us a flavour of some of the contributors that are involved here? Absolutely. Well, I mean, we, we, I thought from the beginning that, you know, the voices that were important in, in, in the commemoration year were those people who were involved in it. And that's everybody from uh, the president who could contribute to the book to just ordinary people who were in some way linked to to the rising. So we would have quite a few famous people in it. We have Senator George Mitchell talking about a, a speech he gave uh, linking the Good Friday Agreement with, with, with Easter Rising. Uh, you have Martin O'Neill, the, the Republic of Ireland football manager. You have Joe Duffy, who's a famous broadcaster here, etc. But then you have ordinary people. You have the, the likes of uh, Johnny Lynn, whose uh, father, Jackie, rode the winner at the, uh, uh, the, the, the Grand National on Easter Monday, 1916. And he is a tragic third story to tell. We have Christina Hannan, uh, whose daughter, Mary Hannan, uh, accepted the, the tricolour on behalf of her or special needs school and she's a, a she's a special needs child and um, you have 
the schoolgirl who who accepted uh, the flag on behalf, uh, who's a relative of of uh, uh, Thomas Francis Maher. You have uh, people like. Um, uh, ben Phillips, who's the closest surviving relative of Porrick Pierce. Uh, you have Sheila O'Leary, the only surviving person who has two had two parents in the GPO in 1916. And finally, you have uh, a man who died very recently, uh, Liam Cosgrave, the former Taoiseach. Now, the, uh, I'm jumping out towards the end of the book, and you lay out in the back, end of the book a chronology as well. Uh, covering from 1907 up to 1923. And in a way, this is, um, while 2016 was a commemoration of 1916, it is a reflection of a period in time rather than just a year of time. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, 1916 didn't happen in a vacuum. It happened in the context of the First World War. And it's part of the decade of centenaries, actually. I mean, we've been involved with the decade of centenaries from 1912 up to 1922. And, um, uh, you know, this is last year was the most important year, but it's only one of, of 10 years. Every single one of the years uh, from 1912, from 2012 to 2022, and 2023, will have significant centenary events. So, um, that that's the context in which the book uh, is, 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 took place. Now, who or what was the initiator behind this? Who came to you and said, you know, Ron, Ronan, we have this concept, or were you, were you the one that went to someone and said, I have this concept? Well, I, I, the, the original idea for this came from uh, Heather Humphreys, who is the Minister for Arts, called in the Geltic Pier, and she was also the Minister in Charge of Commemorations, and she uh, contracted Ireland 2016, uh, an organisation uh, that was set up to manage the commemorations. Uh, and they did a brilliant job, I think it's fair to say, and their director was a guy called John Kincannon, and John approached me about it uh, in July of 2016, and he said, you know, would you be interested in doing this project for us? We need somebody to do it. And I said I would, and I said it's important for me as a journalist and, you know, as a writer, that, that it, it doesn't look like an exercise in self-congratulation, that it, it tells the story of the year works and all, you know, and also includes uh, those people who might have dissented from the narrative that was last year, which was a narrative of reconciliation, really, more than anything else, and a narrative in which everybody who died in the Easter Rising, whether they be, obviously, Irish volunteers, a citizen's army, um, but also the police, uh, the RIC, the British Army and the civilians were remembered, and I was uh, very, very happy to, to be involved in the in, in the project. Now, of course, John has a tremendous pedigree when it comes to uh, stuff like this. Cause yeah, strategically, he was he was, uh, the, he was involved in Creative Ireland. He's now part of the government's strategic communications unit, which is um, uh, which is set up really to coordinate uh, communication across government departments here and to, to project a, a go an Irish government message as opposed to whatever party's in power. Right. So then, going back to your own um, career as a journalist and as an historian, um, when you get your teeth into something like this. There's a learning curve because you're being presented with, as you say yourself, you've got high-profile people, but you have the stories from the ordinary people as well. This something like this must be very fulfilling and very satisfying. Absolutely, and and I really worked. Uh, one of the things I worked hard is I wanted to get people. Uh, to me, to me, the the most important thing about the commemorations, Austin, is that they were a grassroots success. That they were the people, as I write in the preface to the book. 
the government proposed, the government said, here are the events we're organising, right? But the people disposed, they're the ones that made it significant by turning up in their, in their hundreds of thousands for the different events around the world. I mean, the events speak for themselves. Three and a half thousand uh, in, in Ireland alone, a um, thousand abroad, 156 uh, cities across the world. And, you know, the... the, the, the the, the most interesting thing about it is, is you know, I said to myself, I, I'm as far as I'm concerned, the commemorations don't belong to politicians. There's very few politicians in this book. I think it's important to state that uh, they're, they don't belong to historians. They don't belong to journalists like me. They belong to the ordinary people because they're the ones who made them significant because they understood the significance of what went on last year. So you mentioned that, of course, 2016 was not just an Irish happening. It was a global happening among the Irish diaspora. And you were able to reflect that in the book. Absolutely. I mean, there was uh, 156 countries, uh, 156 cities across uh, 150 countries. I mean, looking at it, for instance, uh, I mean, it spanned the entire reach of the your, the vast country you live in. I mean, there was poetry readings in St. John's in Newfoundland. There was a banquet in Vancouver. There was um, a commemoration concert by the World Symphony Orchestra in Montreal. But I mean, I, I think the the most significant event in the book, which I think garnered huge coverage in Canada as far as I remember was the intervention by the Canadian ambassador Kevin Vickers at an event to rem- to remember the the, uh, the the British soldiers who died in the rising that this was a, a quite a controversial event in um, uh, uh, Grange Gorman Military Cemetery, where many of the uh, many of the British war dead are buried in Ireland, and it was part of the government's reconciliation committee that the uh, reconciliation um, uh, philosophy that that everybody who died in the rising should be remembered, and that's not easy for some people. Some people think, why would you be remembering men who died, who who basically executed the the rebel leaders, etc. Um, I think it was entirely justified, but some people didn't. One of them was a guy called Brian Murphy, who disrupt us the event and if you recall and I think it made international headlines and even the Canadian Prime Minister spoke about it uh, Mr Vickers who was there in his capacity as a Canadian ambassador got up and uh, and um, escorted uh, Brian Murphy out of the way and he, Brian Murphy was arrested and as you know Kevin Vickers is uh, quite well known in Canada because he was the man who intervened when there was uh, an attack when he was the sergeant in arms at the Canadian Parliament uh, about three years ago or four years ago. And of course Kevin is a tall uh, gentleman that you're not going to want to mess with anyway. No, and and and, and uh, he's he's a, he's a he's an absolutely lovely man. I've I've dealt with him quite a bit actually on um, uh, in relation to the the, the 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 links between Ireland and Canada and the war dead. You know, particularly with Passchendaele. Uh, uh, the centenary of Passchendaele was, was, was earlier this month so um, he's, he's a wonderful man and you know he got a lot of criticism at the time I was at the event I don't think he deserved the criticism he got um, I know Mr Murphy was, was a totally peaceful protester but we know that now but we didn't know it at the time and uh, he, he, Mr Vickers uh, intervened when, when the Gardaí wouldn't so um, you know he was doing what he thought was his job at the time and he's no regrets about it either Now the other thing that I have to draw attention to in this book is it is rich in photography capturing the year Absolutely. I mean, the, the the most important thing. I'm a writer. I'm not a I'm not a photographer, right? But to me, the most important thing were the images. The images tell the story of the book, tell the story of the year, the uh, the, the the words supply the context. I mean, I I think you've seen photographs of the, in the book, Austin. I mean, there are it, there are, we we are tying across the world 
to get the most beautiful images that reflected the year, not just photographs either. You've also um, you've also got to the wonderful artists uh, artist work that was done during the year, like by the likes of Mick O'Day and Pather Lamb and uh, so many other uh, Irish artists. And um, uh, you know, we 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 as I said to you, I think this is a is a beautiful keepsake in the sense that we really uh, there was thousands of photographs taken during, during the year, and we made it our business to try and get the best ones for this book. Indeed, I'm just capturing one here and seeing uh, one from Savannah, Georgia, of uh, Monsignor William Oliver O'Neill sprinkling holy water during a dedication ceremony um, on Irish uh, limestone benches installed in Savannah's Emmett Park. Well, that's a wonderful image, and again, that goes to show you the breadth of, of, of events that happen worldwide. My, one of my favourite photographs in the book was actually the uh, Cormac McAnallen um, GA Club in Sydney. Uh, they they did a big um, uh, 19. They, they they wrote out the words 1916, 2016 era. The 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 logo for the year on a on a beach. Hundreds of volunteers took up to make this photograph, and obviously they flew a drone over. And I mean, to me, that that was indicative of the sort of pride that the Irish diaspora had had in in the men and women in 1916. Now I'm also looking at a picture here of the Military Service Pensions Act 1934 uh, documents from Christina Brooks, and also. Um, a letter from um, Maura O'Neill um, and the pension so like it's capturing uh, <laughs> a whole social history Absolutely. Well, the, the the pensions, the pensions, the military pensions uh, uh, records are absolutely wonderful. And many many of your uh, many of your listeners, uh, Austin, who might have had uh, uh, relatives in 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 the, the 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 during the revolutionary years, it's a wonderful resource to have uh, from my own grandfather's pension files. And uh, in a, and what's interesting is, is that we have a contribution. One of the contributors that I mentioned before was President Michael D. Higgins, but he's not writing uh, in, in the book uh, in this sense about about himself as the president he's talking about the fact that his brothers John and Peter were on opposite sides in the, the civil war and uh, what 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 information he's been able to glean from his uh, his relatives pension files which were released last year uh, by the uh, Bureau of Military History now Ron earlier on you mentioned I think it's very important that of course that the government was very anxious that this commemorative year would not be anything that could be divisive or that yeah. was not any way partisan. And you state that that goal was very successfully achieved. Yes. Do, you, do you think that coming out of 2016 and going forward now in 2017, going into the co coming forward what will be an historic period in 1921 uh, commemoratives, that, that there's going to be a real challenge on a similar basis? Yes, well, a lot of people think that this is going to, that, that the Easter Rising was the easy part. I don't agree with that summation. I think uh, uh, I think that uh, 1916 could have been a very, very different commemoration. It could have been very difficult. I mean, there was a lot of controversy at the beginning because a video was produced as a sort of trailer for the year in which uh, Google and Facebook and Twitter and all these uh, organizations were mentioned and no mention was made of the actual uh, Easter Rising itself and the men and women involved. Um, but, you know... If, if if you approach these, uh, to me, the best way to approach these uh, events is to try and understand 
what happened, the motivation for people on whatever side of the divide they were on a hundred years ago. It's it's ridiculous in a lot of ways to to judge people by what they did uh, in in a, in, a, in a world that's completely different from our own. And I, I also have no time for this idea of using sort of uh, history to, to to score contemporary points with people, you know. And I, I feel that. Um, if we if we if we go forward in the same kind of spirit of of, of honest uh, inquiry about what happened in the past and not take sides and not seek to blame or to use it for, to to cite an argument with someone nowadays, which is really irrelevant, I think we I think we'll get through it. I mean, there are going to be a lot of difficult commemorations. I think the 1920. In my opinion, a lot of people say the Civil War is going to be very difficult to commemorate here. I think the most difficult one will be the foundation of the, the Northern Ireland State in 1920. The centenary of that in 2020 is going to be extremely difficult uh, for obvious reasons, you know, with Brexit and all the rest of that sort of thing. We God knows where we'll be in three years' time. Um, then there's, you know, then we have the foundation of our own state. I mean, when are we going to remember that? Should it be uh, December 1921 from the treaty, or should it be a year later when the free, free state was, um, when the free state was founded? And then, of course, you have the Civil War. I mean, how are you going to rem remember that? Um, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, I think the state uh, owes an explanation to the relatives of the 77 uh, uh, anti-treaty rebels who were executed during the Civil War. Um, that would be my feeling. I, I feel some of those extrajudicial killings were never justified, and even nowadays, people people still feel very strongly about them. And I think an explanation a hundred years on would be uh, would be helpful to all concerned. So, Ronan, when you consider in a hundred year period, it's normally roughly twenty five years to a generation. So, right, kind of four four gener. There's a fourth generation now living in Ireland that are three generations removed do you do you think that as a result of 2016 and this book that the irish awareness of where we are today and how we got there and where we came from has been positively represented and that the current generation have a greater appreciation than they would have had two or three years ago Absolutely, and I, I think as well, Austin, I remember going to a, a, an event in which uh, a university debate in which the, the, the proposition was that this, this, this centenary year should be the last time that the Easter Rising is commemorated in Ireland, and uh, Professor Jim Furter, he said this is actually the first time that the Easter Rising has been put in its proper context. Back in the 50s and 60s, uh, it was too Republican, too one-sided, um, completely ignored the context of the First World War and the Irish who died in the First World War and then, you know, during the Troubles who feared to speak in 1916 was the attitude. I mean, the, the 75th anniversary in 1921 was hardly hardly marked at all. I mean, there was great difficulties in remembering um, the Easter Rising because there was a feeling that the provisional IRA had had had, had taken the mandate from from the from the 1916 Rising, but. In this, but I, th I really feel in 2016 that that it was just right that there was due uh, respect and 
gratitude paid to the men and women uh, of 1916, but also um, that it was put in its proper context, which includes, you know, the the uh, attempts by uh, constitutionalists like John Redmond to to secure Irish freedom by peaceful means, and also the the, the fact that hundreds of thousands of Irishmen were serving in the front lines, and you know, the, the, it is important to state as well that the First World War also features in this book. We do have a chapter, for instance, on the Battle of the Somme, and also the unveiling of a cross by the French government in Glasnevin, the Ireland-France cross, which remembers the Irish who died in France in, in the First World War. Now, again, looking at the table of contents, I see the book has been divided up into a variety of sections, like there's one dealing with the signatories, an historical reflection, the state ceremonial, the living language, and Irish, has that's a very important segment. Well, absolutely, and and the Irish language is one of the seven strands uh, named after the seven signatories of the proclamation. Um, and we were up, this was from the very beginning. This was going to be a bilingual book, um, and it was really important that, that obviously the Irish language was important part important part of the psyche of people like Porrick Pierce. And um, we made sure when we were well, when the book was coming that we would have a section devoted to the to the Irish language. What I find interesting then is the next segment is youth and imagination. And the word imagination in there, I think, is interesting. Absolutely. I think the highlight for an awful lot of people was the involvement of the young people young children or children in the in the in the the uh, in the, the rising. I mean, they were co-opted into it. They were asked to dream up a new proclamation for uh, a new century. They were. Um, they, they, they were, there was also a very successful initiative called the Flag Day, whereby uh, the, a copy of the national flag would be brought to every primary school in the country, and it would be raised, and the proclamation would be uh, recited, and all the rest. And the children really, really bought into the whole year. It, it really fired their imaginations, and. It certainly, to me, it was the most successful initiative of the whole year was involving was involving children, and um, you know there's a beautiful photograph in the book again of that 1916-2016 logo. The same thing as I said about the beach in in, in Sydney, uh, schools, Squalna, in Carrickmacross, County Monaghan. The, the pupils made the 1916-2016 logo on their lawn, and they had a drone. So, um, so I mean, children children are, were, were probably the stars of the entire year and, and we hope that's reflected in the book. So Ronan, putting then in context of where you say this helped really, I suppose, help establish and define a national identity and yet we live now in a world where Ireland is very much part of a European environment and the Irish, I think, embrace that concept and see themselves as European. Do you think that this 2016 and the reflections he covered here help uh, the Irish people uh, retain or better identify themselves within a European context? Well, I think it's very important that, I mean, we, 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 we have the freedom to choose as a country. I mean, the most important thing about 1916 was that there would be no independent Irish state but for today. Okay, there might have been some different iteration or some different uh, identity might have come about by peaceful means, or maybe not. But we we have the we have uh, the, as a sovereign nation, right? We have the right to join to pool our sovereignty with country with the European Union and the union the UN, etc., etc. I think it's really, really, uh, it's really salutary when you think about what happened in 2016, where you had the Brexit referendum. You obviously had the election of Trump in in the United States, but you had the Brexit referendum in the UK, whereby Scotland which had a referendum on the independence 
uh, uh, two years, when, which was rejected, Scotland was taken out of the European Union against its wishes because it did not have the sovereignty as a country to be able to make its own mind up about this. And that's what we have as a state. And I think it's really important to remember that. And, and, and it just goes to show you what happened in 1916 is really important today that we have... Uh, the sovereign independent nation that we have that we, we, we are the captains of our own fate in that regard Well Ronan I want to congratulate you on a tremendous piece of work and if anyone wants to get their hands on the book they can do I'm sure through uh, some sources? Yes, well, I, we, we are recommending kennys.ie, Kenny's Bookshop in, in Galway. It's a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful website uh, for Irish books, etc. Uh, they are offering, uh, and don't hold me to this, but I'm, I'm checked, but I think they are offering free postage worldwide. And I think it's, um, you know, we, we, we'd rather, we, we would prefer if people supported them rather than these uh, giant bayonets like uh, Amazon. It is on Amazon as well, but uh, we would think that we, I would recommend recommend that people buy the book to kenny.ie. Well, I want to thank you, Ronan. We've been chatting with Ronan McGreevy. He's an Irish Times journalist and a videographer, and he's the author of uh, Wherever the Firing Line Extends, and that's Ireland and the Western Front, and that was published by the History Press, and the, he's the editor of uh, What is for Reflections on the Easter Rising, and that's jointly published by the Irish Times and Ireland 1916, and now he, the editor also of this wonderful publication, Centenary, Ireland Remembers 1916. Ronan McGreevy, thanks a million for taking the time. Thank you, Austin. Much appreciated.